The scripture reading this evening is from the Gospel of John and Paul's letter to the church in Rome. You can find it printed on page four of your worship folder. A reading from John, chapter 13. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am only with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and I, I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. <clears throat> and now a reading from Romans, chapter 12. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. 
The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. Well, hello, everyone. I want to greet everyone, first of all, before we say a word of prayer. I want to thank everyone for coming. You are the most devout people of faith for coming to Monday, Thursday. You, you know what that is, perceivably. You could have been watching the Warriors game or prepping for the Warriors game. You could have been reading the Mueller report. I heard it's a good read. Not as good as we thought it would be. But you showed up, and so now let's say a prayer and ask for God to show up, shall we? Lord, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for all the family in this room, Lord, some that aren't even related. But we're all related through your love. So we ask that your love would be here uniting us, speaking to us, guiding us, lifting us up, especially those who might be hurting tonight. But Lord, we ask that we would learn to follow your love and to follow your Son, especially as we go into these next days. Help us journey with Christ so that we might fall more deeply in love with him. Amen. Well, I have a little homily that I want to share with you, um, and I want to open it up by sharing with you a very short email that my wife once read to me that made me cry. And the reason why it made me cry is that it was from a man who had a terminal cancer. He did not have long to live, and this was the last email that he sent out to his coworkers at Wells Fargo. And it's very, it's very short, but the subject matter is goodbye. And he said this, Dear fellow team members, the last 11 years of my life have been filled with joy, challenges, and a great community at Wells Fargo. Today is my last day as an active member as I will start short-term disability tomorrow. You are most talented, smart, and caring people I had the honor of working with, and I will keep each of you, every one of you, deep in my heart. I know my contributions were modest, but I did them with pride and using the best of my ability to produce well-written code. It's something about that last line that is so humble, isn't it? Using the best of my ability to produce well-written code. He was a web developer. The message in itself isn't really that profound. The context, the relationships around it make the message incredibly profound. For it was only a few days after this was written that this man passed away. So for everyone who received this email, they held on to it and they kept reading it, rereading it, to the point that my wife's sharing it with me and I'm bawling. I'm like, well-written code. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is the coolest, most humble thing. There is something about impending death that changes every message somebody gives to you. And the same is true with the Last Supper, with the washing of the feet. Time slows down. And this is what I like about the start of this night. I really believe time starts to slow down on my, 
Monday, Thursday for us. And it will very much slow down tomorrow at noon when we're here for the last words of Christ. We go word by word, candle by candle, because Christ's death is coming. And when somebody knows that they're going to be passing soon, every word that they give you, every action that they give you is that much more profound. And this is what we have on Monday, Thursday. We have Christ the Savior taking off His robe, tying it around Him, getting to the ground level and lifting up their feet and washing dirty and dusty feet. It's a very simple act to communicate a very, very profound and important message to His friends. And the message is just as profound tonight as it was then for us here today. We are to love one another as Christ loved us. It's so simple we could almost look over it. But this is what our call is, to follow Christ. Why don't we follow Christ? What stops us from following Christ? I think for a lot of us, and me included, in certain stages of my life, I accept Christ's love for myself, but I don't follow Christ's love in action. I receive Christ's love, but I don't receive others in Christ's love. So there's a dance that we do where we want to be in control with Christ, and that's not what the mandate is about at all. The mandate is profound, it's serious, it's important, and it's asking you to give a life of service to become a sacrifice with Christ. But we often stop short of that. We want Christ on our terms. Well, He's inviting us in tonight as He does every day of our life to serve and sacrifice and love one another as He loves us. But we stop short often. Um, I even am very tempted to stop short, and I feel like I've devoted my life. I have this great calling to serve the poor and the tenderloin at City Hope. But every now and then, uh, quite often, more than I want to admit, I'm often stopping short. Um, It can look good on the outside when, you know, I'm running a community center and we're feeding hundreds of people. Um, But there's often nights where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I'm asking myself, is this working? Why am I here? And is it worth it? It's in, it's in those little moments. Um, I have this little small voice, I think, that comes into my head, this still soft voice that gets louder and louder. And I'd like to um, share with you where it comes from. It's a quote from Al Pacino, <laughs> from Scent of a Woman. I like Scent of a Woman. It's Pacino's real turning point in his career. It's when um, he goes full Pacino on us. He's kind of, uh, you know, Godfather, then he hits Scent of the Woman, and it's hoo And then every mo- movie, it's basically the same character, right? Ah! But in that movie, he's, a, he's this uh, grizzled war vet, and he's defending this poor boy from Oregon. And uh, this overblown court scene, if you remember it. And he has this great long speech about being a vet and seeing arms torn off. Do I have all the children's attention? good, because it's going to get better. But he has this one line, he says, now, I, should I do Pacino? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It's a lot of pressure. 
Okay, I'll go for it. He says, now I have come to the crossroads in my life. I've always knew, known the right path without exception. I knew, but I never took it. You know why? It was too damn hard. It's too damn hard. I didn't think there'd be so many children here, but that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of a, it's still kind of a junior varsity cuss word if you ask me. <laughs> We're all called into this following of Christ, into service, into sacrifice, but there are so many times in our life where we are telling ourselves or listening to Al Pacino say, it's too damn hard. It's too hard. It's too hard to listen to the cries of your neighbor. It's too hard to look at somebody on the street who's dying. It's too hard to feel the pain and the sorrow and the agony of this world as it aches and it groans and it moans. It is way too hard to do the work. The work can be so overwhelming. It's too hard to love your neighbor. And it's too damn easy to stop listening. It's too easy to look away. It's too easy to stop feeling or to just feel something different like apathy or cynicism. It's too easy to give up on the work. It's too easy to judge your neighbor than to love your neighbor. But here we are. We're the children of Christ. I love that he calls them little children in verse 33. And we come back to the mandate. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then I wanted us to hear Romans chapter 9 because it unpacks it a lot more. Love, love, love being patient, sacrificing for the needs of the saints, extending hospitality to strangers. It's all, all over Scripture. There's beautiful ways that love is described. So those are the times when we come back to the mandate that we turn off the Pacino voice, and we turn on Jesus Christ, telling us to love our neighbor. And when you come across the questions of saying, what are we doing with our lives? Come back to the mandate. You're following Christ's love to love your neighbors. You're searching for them in their eyes. When you come to the question, is, is this working? Is what we're doing effective? Good question. I'm a big fan of, of judging our impact and just not our intentions. I think we should ask the question if it's working. But we should never expect that we should, are going to fully know. That's egotistical. That's beyond our pay grade. We have to give in to the mystery and the surrender of God's love and be faithful and faithfully serve and let God do God's work, not thinking that we have a, a masterful solution every time we love our neighbor or whether it's going to work or not. That's not the Christian path. And is it worth it? When you get challenged with that question, is it worth it? Is this person worth it? Am I worth it? Is this working? All these questions that are nagging at you. Hold on. 
It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. Keep doing it. Keep loving. Keep serving. Keep sacrificing because there's going to be a lot of death along the way. But resurrection comes. It's promised to us. Now, I, I have the joy of doing this work, and I've seen a lot of the sorrow, but I also get to celebrate some of the, the joy of resurrection and redemption and, and healing, and I wanted to share a story with you, because we need some good news. We, we just need some feel good. Uh, I got a real good feel good. Uh, I asked, um, Stephanie Clarizio uh, was a young woman that lived in our City Hope house and eventually came on staff at the City Hope Community Center. And I asked her to share some of her testimony for you. So she has recorded it for you tonight to listen to. So we're going we're gonna to take this time to listen, and then I'll come back up. Hello, my name is Stephanie Clarizio, and I lived in the City Hope House from May 1st, 2017 until December 8th, 2018. I also worked as a program assistant for the City Hope Community Center, from early September 2017 until December 7, 2018. My time at City Hope was pertinent to my recovery, full of love and a foundation that I honestly didn't know I needed. When I applied to City Hope, I was honestly not aware of what the program even was, who the organization was. It was just time for me to move on from my inpatient program, which I had been at for 11 months. My life changed forever after dying, literally, and being brought back to life from an overdose of heroin while in Vallejo, California. During that experience, I was given a vision of Jesus, and my life hasn't been the same since. I have been a believer in Jesus Christ since that day, and have been guided by a presence in a way that I can't fully explain. When I got approved to move into the City Hope House, I was 28 years old, working at an ice cream shop, going to church, doing a lot of Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, and staying closely connected with my former treatment center. I was 11 months clean and sober and hadn't lived on my own in quite a long time. When I first moved in, I definitely felt like a fish out of water, but I started volunteering at the City Hope Community Center, and I really loved it. In AA, we're taught that service to others is how we stay sober, and that if we want to keep what we have, we must give it away. The City Hope Community Center became the place for me to live this out on a daily basis. Volunteering at City Hope gave me an opportunity to be of service, meet my fellow roommates from the house, and connect with my neighborhood. At City Hope, I witnessed people who were living in despair begin to have fun and begin to enjoy their lives so much. This gave me such a deep sense of gratitude that I have never really been able to fully explain to another person. Magic happens at the City Hope Community Center, and God is present. City Hope helped me to adjust to living life on my own, and I started to feel this call in my life to ministry and serve to God. I was exploring what that might look like for me when Paul Trudeau asked me if I would like to come help him at City Hope as the program assistant. It was just the next step in my calling that I needed. While serving at City Hope, Paul Trudeau, Sally Steele, Melissa Blankenship, and Tyrone Kelly pastored me through some very difficult struggles and helped me fall more deeply in love with God. They helped pastor me through so many things as I learned to trust God. Eventually, I was able to make my first trip back to my home in Georgia to see my son, who I hadn't seen in two years. 
While I was in my addiction, my parents had been raising him, which filled my heart with such such grief. I need time to heal, and that was what I was given at the City Hope House. While I was living in the City Hope House, I was able to rebuild my life and reconnect with my family on a deeper level. Through many more trips back and forth to visit my son, I was able to return home to him to be his mom for good, something I never thought was a possibility. The City Hope House and Community Center were more than just my apartment or my job for the last 19 months. They were my home and pivotal to my security and sobriety. They were where I referred all my friends looking for housing. Since I lived there, I have referred my friends Kayla, Ray, Heather, Sandra, and Nicole. The Community Center is where I could count on safe place to connect with loving people. I always knew City Hope House was safe and drug-free, and that meant I was going to be safe and drug-free as well. Accountability is so important in early recovery, and I knew I wasn't ready to go out and live completely on my own. I am grateful to City Hope for allowing a place to bridge the gap between me and my son. It gave me a safe place to call home and a place to serve God and the Tenderloin. You all will always be my family, and I am forever blessed to call you that. With uh, Stephanie's permission, we're not only just sharing those, but I wanted to show you some before and after photos of Stephanie. This was Stephanie in her addiction. And this is Stephanie when she was at the center working with us and living in the house. It's striking, isn't it? And one last picture. This is Stephanie today. She lives in Georgia This with her son, Jacob. It's a great IHOP commercial right there, right? <laughs> um, there are so many times, I think, that the, the work is really hard. It's really confusing. It's really mysterious. The call is really hard, really confusing. But then you ask yourself, is it worth it? And then God shows you something. I, I fully believe that this is only part of the story, though. When we give our lives to Christ and follow Christ, there's more to come. But every now and then, we, we, we meet a Stephanie, and we have our answer. It is absolutely worth it. All the service and sacrifice, God is faithful, and God brings about resurrection. So I want to take this time to pray for us. I want to pray for Stephanie, um, and let's just remember once again, that we have a mandate. We have a calling on our life, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your son. I thank you for the ways in which he humbled himself to serve us and continues to serve us faithfully, calling us into his path of love. May you give us the encouragement and the inspiration, the strength, Lord, to go forward with Christ, especially as we go into Holy Week especially as we contemplate what it means for us to give of our lives, to lay our lives down for your kingdom and your glory. Lord, we know when we are faithful, you are always there. You are always faithful. So give us a vision for our lives, a vision for our church, Lord. We thank you for Stephanie Clarizio. Thank you for the ways in which she served us and continues to inspire us, Lord. May you be with her and her son Jacob. Watch over them, continuing to protect her, 
provide for her and giving her that peace that you love them so deeply. Lord, we pray this all in your name. Amen.